So uh, I'm your host this week, Sophia Salby. American Student Radio, or ASR for short, has existed, has existed since 2011, and this episode celebrates a new chapter in our group's history with a show dedicated to beginnings. A lot of people have a moment when they realize religion was or wasn't for them. Since this week's show is all about times when people or things come into your life and change you, we're here hosting a radio show about pleasure. Welcome to American Student Radio. I'm Stephen Johnson, and today's show is about language. I'm your host, Hannah Boone, and today we'll explore all kinds of leaps. We're your host, Joe Weber. And Morgan Burris. Home can be a pretty vague concept. Anyway, drinking isn't the only way to get under the influence. What happens when ASR does a show about the fringe and needs to test out our new equipment? <clears throat> Again, I'm not warmed up, but that's okay. <laughs> leaving Ernie Pyle Hall. What's okay. more dangerous, texting and driving or recording and driving? Broadcasting from WIUX LP Bloomington, this is American Student Radio. I'm Christopher Mawson. Hi, my name is Morgan Burris. And mine's Caitlin Blancett. I'm your host, Alex Daly. We're your hosts, Taylor Haggerty. And Sophia Salaby. Our show today, What It Means to Be a Woman. Okay, um, just for fun, why don't we share something that we learned this summer? Hello, everyone. And welcome to American Student Radio's first show of the fall semester on WIUX LP Bloomington. Yo, I'm Emily, and I went to the 23rd annual Lotus Festival this Friday. Hey, I'm Abby, and I did too. Hey, Taylor Haggerty. Hey, Catherine De La Rosa. I'm your host, Casey Ross. And everything we're talking about is stuff we're really not supposed to talk about. This week on ASR, we're exploring the seven deadly sins. And I'm hosting today's show, which is... Student Radio. Send shivers down your spine. We're joined by IU alum and NPR TV critic Eric Deggins. Hello, listeners. I'm Noni Ford, and today our show is focused on the theme of magic. Every week, we choose a theme and bring you stories around that theme. This semester, we're changing things up, and shows will be only 30 minutes long, so please catch us while we're here. I'm your host this week, Hannah Boomershine. I'm your host for this week, Nissa Cruz. I'm your host, Carter Barrett. You're listening to WIUX LP Bloomington. I'm Catherine De La Rosa, and I'm hosting this week's episode of American Student Radio, which is all about blood. My name is Angela Bautista, and I'm your host today for American Student Radio. And I'd like for you to stick around. We have a special show coming up today. Each week, we bring you stories on a theme, and this week, it's The Call. I'm your host for this week, Casey Ross. From WIUX LP Bloomington, I'm Peeler Brynjarski. I'm Maggie Tully, your host for today. This is our last broadcast of the semester, but follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice for information about summer programming. Hello, I'm Noni Ford, your producer for this episode. And today's show is Up There. I'm your host, Rick Brewer. Today on the show, we are neither here nor there, but somewhere in between. Hey, you're listening to American Student Radio. I'm Sarah Panfill. And I'm Carter Barrett. We're your hosts for the next half hour. Happy Halloween! I'm Catherine Delarosa, and this is American Student Radio's Spooky Halloween Special. I just want to say that after I used that Ouija board, my one terabyte external hard drive died and my life was ruined. I don't think it's because of Maybell the Ghost. I think it was definitely God smiting me. I'm Mackenzie Delaney. And I'm Mackie Schroeder. This is WIUXLP Bloomington. I'm your host, Sophia Salaby. I'm Emily Miles. I'm Sarah Panfill. I'm Sophia Salaby. And I'm Angela Bautista. And we're some of the executive producers of American Student Radio. One, two, three. One, two, three. And this week, we're bringing you our annual 24-hour challenge. 
We're in the studio today with all five of the executive producers, including our four dear seniors about to depart. This is our first episode of the semester, and we're diving into all things itemized. I'm your host, James Keyes. Keep it right here. Today, we bring you four stories, all made in 24 hours or less. Welcome to a special Halloween edition of American Student Radio. Your home for pure student radio in all its scrappy and beautiful forms. I am your host, Nadine Henderson, along with Rick Brewer. Hey, Nadine. Thanks for having me. From Bloom... <laughs> from... Uh, again, live... Li- what is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens. Conspiracy. Journalism. And lesbians. You just heard three years of American Student Radio. That's three years of learning, reflecting, listening, and pushing boundaries. That's everyone from Sophia Salaby to Nadine Henderson. And we're James Keyes. And Emily Miles. Today we're celebrating ASR 2.0's third birthday. We're celebrating with six of our favorite pieces ever. In this first story, taken from the spring 2016 Break Break episode, longtime producer Sheila Raghavendran shares a student's experience with the brakes of a vehicle and the braking of a vehicle. I remember going to my friend's house early in the day. We went swimming in her pool. I remember leaving her house around, I don't know, like 12 or 2. The next memory I have is waking up in the hospital. Everything else of that day was what people have told me or things that I've seen on the news. And so Corey um, remembers kind of the conversations we were having. So me and Corey, my friend, were driving in his Jeep and we were going um, to his new apartment down in the University of Cincinnati. And so we were taking the major highway in to Cincinnati, I-71, and it was rush hour in the car. And then, so we were in stop traffic and then we, I guess, were in the far, we were in the far left-hand lane, and so Tracy Martin, who was the guy who hit us, was in a flatbed truck, and then was high on PCP, and just decided I'm not going to weigh in this traffic anymore. So he sped down the emergency lane, going 80 miles an hour, hit five cars, like sideswipe. They said I don't know what that means exactly, but they sideswipe, so they kind of hit the back of those cars, then somehow hits a Mercedes, which caused him to hit the median, which then caused him to go airborne and land on our car on my side. So Corey had significantly less injuries, but he remembers more, and we were in the same car. So that's why it was just bizarre, the fact that I had the majority of the injuries, because the car landed on top of me. IU sophomore Liz Sexton was in the horrible car accident on August 5th, 2015, known in our shared hometown of Mason, Ohio, as the Naked Man Crash. That's because Tracy Martin, the man who was high on PCP, was driving naked, and after the crash, he got out of his car and ran about a mile down the side of the highway. Liz was airlifted to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. You and Tracy Martin were the only two who had to stay in the hospital overnight. Right? Ironically, yes, we were the only two. So that and oddly makes us 
connected to some extent in a weird, very bizarre way. Kind of in a weird, like, Harry Potter, Voldemort way. Exactly, exactly. I would not like to be connected with the soul like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Um, But yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. This accident was filled with strange connections, and I found myself among them. I was driving up the other side of the highway on August 5th, a little bit after the accident, and I remember seeing mangled vehicles, police officers closing off areas of the highway, and a long line of stopped traffic. I didn't know Liz, or even know she was in the accident, until moving into my dorm at IU a few weeks later and hearing about it from her roommate, Elisa, who lives across the hall from me. That's when Elisa told me that because of the accident, Liz wouldn't be coming back to IU until second semester. Elisa said that it was hard to move back into college without her roommate, Liz. The first couple weeks was really hard because not only was I alone and I didn't have anybody to, like, go hang out with at home. Like, I was just alone. But, um, and I was, like, really upset, too, about the whole thing with her being, like, in the hospital and everything was pretty traumatizing. I got out of the hospital in late, I think it was late August, early September, and I immediately had to go three or four times a week to rehab. So that kind of kept me busy. And then once I got finished with rehab, I was able to go and sit in some classes at UC, um, just sit in them. Because my parents and my doctors were both really worried about, like, how would I be able to handle college work, especially with the brain injury, because no one actually knew what I, how to react. Um, but I was really, really lucky because all my friends go to school around where I live. So every weekend I was able to go to all these different colleges. So everyone always asked me, what did you do for a semester? That must have been horrible. It really wasn't bad. It really wasn't. I wouldn't do it again, but it really wasn't bad. Liz came back to IU's second semester after sitting in on classes in the Cincinnati area. She was excited to get back to her school, friends, and normal routine, but quickly realized that things were different than what she expected. It was definitely harder than I was thinking it would be. I thought, you know, because I'm a sophomore, I'm just going to go. It's going to be just like freshman year because my freshman year was way too easy. I just kind of found my niche really, really fast. And so everyone was so focused about me academically. They didn't even think about, like, how weird it would be, like, for me to come back. And everyone's already kind of in their their groups. And um, the people that I hung out with last year, I mean, naturally, they moved, not moved on, but, like, they've changed or they moved on. Like, everyone, nat- that's a natural human progression. So do you think you're a different person than you were a year ago? Oh, 100%. Yes, absolutely. Um... But for the better. I'm lucky in the sense that this car accident won't be something that haunts me and I'm, I don't have many mental traumas from it. And my perspective and my mindset has very much changed and I can tell that. I, I would say that it's honestly made me more compassionate for other people. I'm able to understand so much more about people because I've been through this and somehow that makes you able to understand people better. Um... So I think building relationships with other people are so much more important for me now. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sheila Raghavangran. Thanks to Business Failure for this song, Info. A little update, Liz graduated from IU in 2018 with a degree in biotechnology. Now, our next piece comes from another graduate, one of the founders of ASR's second generation. 
Over the past few years, you've heard former co-executive producer Matt Bloom hunt lobsters and devour face-sized burgers. This time, he talks to Linda, a medium who lives on the south side of Indianapolis. For this Matt Tries Things, Matt tries to talk to the dead. I don't really know how to explain what you're about to hear, but judge for yourself. This is the tape of me visiting a medium with my friend Joe. So about what my mom said when, because I was like, we're going to go see a medium. And I don't, like, I don't know if she's even ever like gone to the psychic before. And she was like, you have to be, she's like, I know you're probably both just like really skeptical, but she's like, the only way it's going to work. And I don't even know what she meant by like work. Like, I don't know if she actually believes it or she just like thinks it's a good like therapeutic experience like it's like we have to like you and i have to be open you have to be open to reaching the other side like that's the only way you're gonna find anything i'm 100 percent open okay well good this is matt tries things a new podcast about well me matt trying new things this week matt tries to talk to the dead Precursor to this, I'm not a spiritual person at Check. all. Trying to reach the other side is something I've never done, Lulu, or Lulu. really even thought about trying until this episode. I was promised by Linda that she could help us reach the other side, to communicate with the dead. My friend Joe and I were hugely skeptical about this, so on our way to Indianapolis to talk to her, we were doing the obvious thing. We were making fun of the whole thing. Like, I will pretend that I'm your medium right now, and I will say, Joe, I know you have someone who has crossed over to the other side. Yeah, and I'll be like, yeah, I do. Okay, I'm, I'm feeling a male figure, male figure in the room. I could, yeah, I could be, uh, it could be my grandpa. And your grandpa passed away, correct? Yes. Okay, so now, see, look, see what I did? Now I know you have, your grandpa passed away. Yeah. All right, so his name, I think his name started with like a consonant. It did. It started with the consonant. It did. It, his name started with... That's what we used to always say. My grandpa... <laughs> his name started with the consonant. My grandmother and my grandfather on my mom's side died two years ago. They're both the only close family members that I'd potentially be reaching. For a session with Linda, I paid 40 bucks in cash for a 30-minute reading. Far cheaper than any of the other places Joe and I called. But it was enough money to where I felt invested. I wanted something out of this. I feel, I wonder if the, um, I wonder if the time is super strict. Like at 30, she'll just stop talking. She'll be like, okay, done. Even if she's in the middle of some really interesting. And then she's done it so many times that she has kind of like a process and it just times out pretty well. It's like 30 minutes. You know what I mean? She starts winding down at 20, you know, 26. She's like, okay, any last words? <laughs> we pull off the interstate on the south side of Indianapolis. We pass a few gas stations, a Wendy's, and then pull behind an Olive Garden. There, we stake out in an abandoned parking lot. It's in front of a strip mall with about two or three out-of-business Chinese and Vietnamese restaurants. In the middle, we see the wait, sign there is a, there, for the wait, Pyramid of it. Enlightenment. There's the Chinese... There's the China Buffet. There's the China Buffet. At this point, it's pretty hard for me to describe exactly what the Pyramid of Enlightenment is. 
it's not just a place where people come to get their palms read. It's this big event space where you can have parties and virtually any kind of psychic reading you want. There's little rooms in the back, fake plants around the place. Well, here's a list that was on their window. Tell me what you see. I see a sign with a rainbow pyramid and says Pyramid of Enlightenment. And there's an open sign, so it is open. And it has a bunch of services that it says listed. Psychic readings, services, astrology, clairvoyance, classes, ghost hunting, meditations, numerology, palmistry, past life regressions, Reiki, psychic reading, tarot, um, weddings. They have everything. And that's when we see the car pull up. Inside are three people, a man and two women. They pull up to the storefront of the Pyramid of Enlightenment. One of the women gets out of the car. That has to be Linda. She's in a big white fur coat. There's no way that isn't. Is she going, oh my God, Joe, that has to be her. She hands her bag to an assistant and walks towards the front door. There's an open sign hanging in the window. That's Linda for sure. There, a woman just walked in in a like, huge white fur coat. I'm excited. Walking into the Pyramid of Enlightenment is like accidentally walking into somebody's house you don't know. There was no one at the front door to greet us. There's tables and shelves lining the whole room with books and memorabilia on them. The most overwhelming thing about this place is the hundreds, literally hundreds of dishes of tiny multicolored rocks, all labeled with a weirdly specific this power. Is light. It's purple. Oh, this is Jasper. Discover your true purpose. Joe runs to go to the bathroom, and I help myself around the shop. Just then, a woman opens the door behind me. It's the same woman who was wearing the big white fur coat. I'm Matt. I'm Linda. Nice to meet you. Nice yeah. to meet you too. My friend Joe's in the bathroom right now. Is he coming in with you? Is that okay? It will mix you up, but it's okay. But it will mix up your reading a bit. Ooh. I already had two sitting in it earlier, and it will kind of like intertwine and crisscross. Intertwine and crisscross? Of course, selfishly, I wanted to talk to my dead relatives more than Joe's, but it was fine. Joe comes back from the bathroom, and we decide what to do. Okay. Hmm. It's entirely up to you. I mean, okay. it may not go to you at all. I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we both go in there then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's both go in. You, you don't care okay. if it goes to him? No. Okay. I don't care. That's entirely up to you. Yeah, that's up to me. I got it. He, he may get uh, 95% of it. He may that's, get 50 50. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's you okay. may get most of yours. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and come in. Oh, okay. Cool. We walk into Linda's reading room and sit down on two office chairs that are pulled up to a table with a leopard print tablecloth covering it. The lights are dim, and at this point, I'm not sure how Linda feels about the mic being close to her face, so I'm not holding it too close, and I'll explain what she's about to say if you can't hear it. She starts by telling us that she doesn't use cards. She just whips out the information as it comes to her. But Linda, also proudly, as she tells us, likes to cuss up a storm. So you might hear a awesome. couple bleeps coming up. I do cuss up a storm, so I hope you don't mind. I love that. Does that mean I can? You bet. I'm going to Yes. You okay. can say whatever in front of me. I am super, super, super laid back with this, okay? We sit back in our chairs, and Linda gives us her spiel. So, and and you, you guys are young, so a lot of stuff might come out. That makes no sense to you today, which is good to have a recording for that reason. Okay. And uh, because it may make sense in a year or two, I hear it all the time. She pulls out two pieces of notebook paper from a composition notebook. One for me and one for Joe. 
And she explains that she'll write down the names and things that come to her during the reading. But, but oh, and names are here, meaning alive, or there, because people from the other side can come through in here, too. Joe and I looked at each other. At this point, we knew that we'd come to the right place. There is a mail that passed that's in here, okay? Have any, either one of you lost either our grandfather Okay. Mm, yeah. According to PsychicReviewOnline.com, mediums are psychics who possess the special ability to talk to and summon the souls of the departed. They are often known as channels and spirit guides, mainly because they assist people in communicating with their dead loved ones and serve as channels in relaying each message. They are different types of mediums today, and they can serve in helping people reach out to the departed. We had no idea what Linda was. We sort of touch on the fact that there's a male presence in the room with us, but that's really the extent of it thus far. Meanwhile, Linda keeps going on about how she'll touch on our careers, our love lives, travel experiences, and that's when the light flickers. Trips and stuff, which is so cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. I don't want to wig you out. I call that, there's nothing wrong with the bulb. Okay. I didn't yeah. press a button. My one guy went. Yeah. So I call that, I have a little thing, I call that my confirmation flash. When I said, I think it flashed when I said you would be well traveled. You do show a lot of travel in your future. Isn't that something you really want to do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Girl, you know. You're you're very, very lucky. (laughs) You know. You're going to be a freaking lucky man. At this point during the reading, there aren't a whole lot of definitive answers or information from Linda. There's a lot of chit chat, which is fine. Linda does not stop talking at all. I'm almost afraid to speak up in fear of interrupting her and throwing her off. We kind of move away from the subject of the male presence that maybe or may not be my grandfather and get into my love life, which, of course, starts to get complicated. I see you ending up with somebody that's fairly lean, thinner, uh, the longer-looking hair. She's got actually really pretty light eyes, okay? What, did I describe somebody you know? Well, I'm just thinking... So, okay, so... To, just to be upfront, I'm gay. Okay, that's okay. And I can't, but I'm straight. I, yeah. Okay, I'm picking up on you then. So, so yeah, she, I'm, I'm picking up on your light gal. I'm picking up on your light haired gal. Okay, let me see what guys you've got on here. First name, <laughs> wait a minute, hold the phone. Joe and I's session lasts for a total of 30 minutes. During it, she tells us the future of our relationship statuses, our careers, our travels. But we never quite got to talk to the dead. The closest we got was that there was this weird male presence in the room and I had absolutely no idea what she meant by that. I never really asked because I was too worried that I'd throw off her psychic mantra or whatever. So Joe and I left and got some Wendy's and recapped the situation. Okay, I felt like at the beginning I was into it and and then like it just got almost too like specific, if that makes sense. Yeah. With me, she like the last thing, like, did they go on my Facebook or something and, like, look at that? Okay, and so here's the thing that when she said my name was Joseph, I was like, okay, have I said my name? What, did and I then she was like, was are you taking any journalism classes or anything? Okay, like, that's really specific. I, I don't know. Yeah, but you are, like, doing journalism. I'm literally holding a microphone to your face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not. And if I meet a man named Chris or write three books, which are two things Linda told me that I do in the future... I'll be happy. But I know I didn't get to talk to the dead. And if you have a way for me to do that, this is my call out for you. Email me 
at aaronmattbloom at gmail.com. I'll be happy to chat. For American Student Radio, I'm Matt Bloom. That piece originally aired spring 2016. Although we can't say that Matt is still trying to talk to the dead, we can say that he's living the good life as a radio reporter with KUNC Colorado. Where the air is thinner, but public spaces are still thick with emotion. Public places everywhere are emotionally dynamic. They are colored by the people they're filled with and by the perspective of the observer. But when the mood of the space and the individual are imbalanced, a place can feel out of place. Producer Peeler Bonyarski always tries to find the harmony between the mind and the environment, but sometimes they just don't line up. If I was working full-time instead of going to school full-time, if I could leave one job at the end of the day and didn't have to split my time and my mind between five different classes and all the obligations that inevitably follow me home— Even if I'm not that busy, I somehow always feel like I'm working a dozen tiny part-time jobs. If I could just focus on a couple of things instead of what feels like a million. If I could just throw myself into my life and not what feels like an uncomfortably long intro to my life. Maybe it would be easier to empty my mind when I need to. In the meantime, though... Public spaces always make me aware of just how much I need to empty my mind. They always seem to be either full of people while my mind is craving isolation or absolutely deserted when I need the stimulation. Walking in packed hallways between classes or cramming into the checkout at the grocery store while the Reese's cups are giving me the side eye. I only wish I could hear my own thoughts over the sheer pressure of the crowd. But scraping home from campus just after the sun sets, strangers would make the sidewalks much warmer. Being mindful means paying close attention to what's happening in the moment. Put simply, mindfulness is about being present. But that's really projecting in public. On public? Being surrounded by strangers can give me that temporary comfort, but my mood is fickle about how they feel around me. Give me my space. Who's looking at me? Nobody really cares what I look like, but what if they do? Especially not the people I'm walking past on the way to class, but what if they do? What if they do? Their minds are all filled with thoughts about themselves, and if I could just feel alone... But what if they do see you? And but guess what, what if they do? But what if but they, what do, if they do see you? But what if they do? 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 But what if they do see you? And guess what? They hate you immediately. Mindfulness means noticing what's happening inside your mind and in your body. Mindfulness means being aware of what's happening around you. When you're being mindful, the key is not to label or judge what's happening. Your feelings aren't good or bad. They just are. Is it just that I want what I can't have? Maybe I'm running from my mind and I just want my surroundings to comfort me. Is that so bad? I'm thinking about thinking too hard again. 
now I'm thinking about how I sure do think so hard about thinking and then so hard about thinking about thinking about thinking and thinking about how I now I'm thinking about how I sure do think so hard about thinking so hard about thinking so hard about thinking about thinking about thinking and first pause and focus on your body notice what you see and hear also check what you smell taste and feel don't label these sensations as good or bad just let them go if I could just leave the school at school. Then narrow your focus. What do you feel in your body? Notice subtle sensations like an itch or tingling. Give each part of your body a moment of your full attention. Start with your head and move to your toes. If I wasn't always thinking about what I'm not doing, what I could be doing, I don't really care. Or do I? If I could slow down, maybe I could figure it out. Next, be more intent on your breath. Where in your body do you feel it most? Rest your attention there. Do I want people around me, or do I want to be alone? Friends are too close to me, strangers aren't close enough. Ask yourself, how am I in this moment? Acknowledge your thoughts and emotions. Spend a few moments with them, being with things as they are. Allow your feelings to be present without judgment. If I could just focus on myself and the moment, get my neurotic mind off the people around me because they'll never be able to give me the presence I need. Every single time I have to remember to detach from all the analysis before I can just be. When your mind wanders, simply return to your breath. There's no need to beat yourself up for losing focus. Audio of public places in this piece came from freesound.org. The information on mind, mind, mind mindfulness came from WebMD, and was read by Google Cloud Text to Speech. For American Student Radio, this piece was produced by Peeler Brynjarski. Have a great day. That was a super recent piece. Like, last semester recent. But we'll deem it an instant classic. This next piece is an audio poem titled Of the Blood from producer Sarah Panful. She wrote the poem while she was studying abroad in France two years ago. The piece explores blood in relation to her experiences as a foreigner and blood as a signifier of familiarity, nationality, and understanding. The audio includes real snippets from Sarah's travels. <clears throat> blood is le sang in French, but I can never manage that pest of a nasal vowel right. Est-ce que tu peux prononcer le mot sang? The pronunciation picks at me, digs a wound healed only with a native's ease. Le son. Son. Répétez, s'il vous plaît. Le son. Le son. C'est comme ça? Le sang. Le sang. Le son. I've been in France for half a year now. This means I can buy bread from a boulangerie. Hold a conversation with strangers I meet. 
Yet, squeezing onto stools in a packed wine bar or sipping cafe outside a tabak, my thighs slide off the sides of narrow chairs. I am all aware of the space I take, how it tends to be the American amount. That's too much. C'est trop ça. My accented speech flashes red as my tongue, begs the question, where are you from? Vous venez d'où? Like an anthem I know better than La Marseillaise. It surprises me how often I'm not easily placed, though I like this. Germany, Russia, some have even guessed Spain. But I always admit I hail from les États-Unis. Call up the map to point to that petit état dans le milieu, qui s'appelle the Midwest. I say, tu connais Chicago? It's kind of near Chicago, pronounced in the city à la française, <laughs> perhaps because I am told... When I speak in French, my voice is softer. My new language is like a pet adopted, who I treat with an innocence not spared for my inherited mutt of a long's brashness. I had my first kiss in English. I broke my wrist, broke the law, worked a job, mourned a few in English. This, the language of my mother, which is, I must remember, not the language of her mother's mother. When pressed for a connection to this language, my reason is an absence of one. I wonder, I wonder, je me demande, je me demande if this speaking, if through, this a speaking filter, through a filter, has it changed has me? Has it changed me? I mean to say, I mean to say, down to the, down blood. To the blood, du sang, du sang. Le sang? Ouais. Comme ça. Le sang, ouais. okay. Are my veins coursing with my red wine préféré, Beaujolais? For in French, I see my first star shot across the black of night. In French, I feel pulled by rope. In French, I reach. I am introduced. I met a newborn in French. As once while visiting a friend, he in happenstance led me toward signs that read, Vers la salle de maternité, into the heat of a maternity ward, where his cousine gave birth the day before. Here, I peered over a crib's plastic barriers to wave to a smudge of a human, her gloved fist clenched, just half the size of my thumb. I sat amongst three generations gathered in a room, in a village where their roots, their racines, spread out as far as the champagne vineyards they tend. And though I spoke their language with a stranger's tongue, and though I was not blood, I too was greeted by Les Bizou. A kiss on each cheek, like I watched the father mime against the blushing visage of his baby. For American Student Radio, I'm Sarah Panfill. Sarah's actually back living in France right now, but this time as a teacher. And the voice you're about to hear is that of longtime producer Carter Barrett, who's now up in Indianapolis covering local news for WFYI. The noises in Bloomington, Indiana are what you'd expect of a college town. If you walk down 3rd Street on a nice day, you could hear fraternity brothers partying. You might hear yelling, trap music, debauchery, you know. The usual. 
And if you've lived in Bloomington long enough, you know the tornado sirens go off on the first Friday of every month. And the quietest place in town might be sitting on the edge of Lake Monroe. But when was the last time you heard something you've never heard before? What if I told you Bloomington doesn't sound as typical as I've made it out to be? What if I told you there are sounds in this college town that are unexplainable? Sounds that can keep you up at night. Sounds that run deep into your body. Producers Rick Brewer and Ayub Lesued tell you the story of a beat in the night. Meet Ayub Lasued. Uh, I am a PhD uh, student here in the uh, um, School of Optometry. Ayub has been a Bloomington resident for several years and recently moved near Memorial Stadium after having lived on the quiet east side. And when he decided to make the move, Ayub didn't realize what he was getting himself into. Despite having gone to multiple universities around the world, he has little experience living around a party atmosphere. But I've never lived in a place where there were parties around me, you know, so I had never had to worry when I was at home about parties surrounding me. Do you think the real estate agent kind of just, or the landlord just kind of got you and got you out before you saw anything maybe? Yeah, so, so it was not the landlord, it was um, the previous renter who wanted to sublease, you know, for the short time where I was there. It was good. I thought it was good. I asked the question if uh, she had any problems. She, she said, no, everything is good. Everything was great for her. <laughs> They're very consistent about partying, I thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, so every weekend, if the weather is uh, good enough, people will go out and party, which was very surprising for me. I, I thought, like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I never thought that... <laughs> You know, Americans are so, like, consistent about partying, like, every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the place where they have their uh, bonfire is, I would say, two meters away from my window. That's very close. But one night last November, Ayub heard something strange in the dead of night. Something he's never heard before, coming from outside. And to his surprise... It wasn't his neighbors. In fact, he claims the entire neighborhood was quiet. So that night I went to bed at around, I would say, midnight, as usual. Surprisingly, there was uh, nothing when I went to bed. There, y- your neighbors weren't playing music? Yeah, either. there were. So it was great. I thought it was, uh, it was my night. A night, yeah. a night of peace. A night of peace, exactly. <laughs> which is rare for me. So I appreciated it. And um, I slept right away. And then at 3 a.m., something woke me up. Just something weird that woke me up. Um, It was like a beat. How would you describe it to us? Uh... Simply, it was a beat. It was just a beat sound. Like, how how did it sound? 
Bum. 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 Uh, I didn't know where it Bum. was coming from. It was the first Bum. time I... I um, I think I heard this sound, like that, that deep sound. It was very Boom. deep sound, Boom. and uh, I could even feel it like, in my body. It was not only the ears. Boom. Boom. So what I did is, I I, I tried to cover my ears, Boom. put myself back to sleep. Boom. But it didn't work. <laughs> the sound was there, still there, Boom. even when I covered my ears. Boom. Um, what I usually Boom. do in this kind of um, situation is that I go mm. to the fan and increase the mm. setting you know to the highest so that uh, I'm hoping that the noise coming from the no from the fan will cover any outside um, party noise Boom. Boom. Uh, I think Boom. my bed was shaking for sure Boom. Why why doesn't this sound go away when I Boom. put the high fan on when I cover Boom. my ears? It must be somewhere Boom. close to coming from somewhere Boom. close to where I am. Boom. So I, I want to check Boom. the other rooms. I want to check Boom. I think the uh, bathroom, I want to check the Boom. kitchen, the living room Boom. and uh, make sure that there, there were no appliances Boom. on and it was all Boom. quiet as usual. Um, but what I noticed boom. though was that the shaking boom. in the other rooms was not as strong as in my room boom. it was even like I, I couldn't even feel it in the other rooms I could only feel it in my room Ayub did what most of us would do in this situation he went to Google and typed in various searches like annoying sound, loud bass tone in the night and he eventually stumbled onto a Google thread. Turns out a lot of people have had a similar experience, and they all told him to go outside and investigate, and that certain gadgets with long antenna can help locate the source of the sound. I think it was enough annoying for me to, 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 to go outside and try to find out where it was. Uh, so what people described in this thread was that if you go, you have to try to feel if the sound is increasing or decreasing as you go, as you move. And that will give you a rough idea of the direction where you should go, right? So I tried to do that. I went outside 3 a.m. trying to feel the vibes in the street. <laughs> Did you put your ear to the ground or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been gross. But <laughs> so, after a while, I think I gave up. Yeah, I just gave up. Mm. Yeah, so I wish I had this antenna. So you were essentially unable to find the source of the sound. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I was unable to find out. Boom. Boom. Music in this piece comes from Blue Dot Sessions. For American Student Radio, I'm Rick Brewer, along with Ayub Lasued. I'm going to have problems with my neighbors, I think, <laughs> if they hear this podcast. <laughs>
I guess some mysteries will just remain that way. This last piece comes from producer Catherine De La Rosa. It features blood, the body fluid, and blood as ancestry. She cooked and ate a Filipino pork blood stew called Diniguan for the first time. And just a warning, there's about three seconds of squishy blood sounds in this piece, so don't say I didn't warn you. So I am in the Rong Cheng supermarket, I believe that's the name of it. I will fact check that on my way out. Looking for pig's blood for my Diniguan. Diniguan. That's a Filipino stew made up of pork cooked in pig's blood. My mom made it for herself a lot when I was younger. I remember her buying blocks of blood from the Oriental store on the way home from my preschool in Arkansas. I grew up in three states, and every time we moved, my parents would factor in our proximity to Asian stores that would carry our brand of jasmine rice, show my wrappers in bulk, and blood. This was my first time going to one alone and in a new state, even though I've been here for a year and a half. I went to the wrong Chinese grocery on 10th Street to look for blood. Uh, it smells like childhood. I've never been here before, but I have been to Mama's Korean restaurant next to it. It's in Scholar's Quad, so like on the way to College Mall on the 9 bus route. It smells like childhood, so there's lots of live seafood in tanks. I've always been curious about Dinaguan. I had a lot of nosebleeds in elementary school to the disgust of my classmates. They were also disgusted by whatever Filipino food I brought for lunch. Dinaguan came to represent everything that set me apart from them. They were all mostly white and had normal nasal membranes. But I didn't feel the push to cook Dinaguan until I binge-watched the CW musical comedy series Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So you want to speak Tagalog, the mother tongue of the Philippines? Let's start with hello, mabuhay. Say it with me. Mabuhay. Nice to meet you. Rachel Bloom plays the title character, Rebecca. Her ex is a Filipino guy named Josh Chan. At this point in the episode, she's about to spend Thanksgiving with his family. Hey, uh. Ooh, something smells weird in here. Oh, uh, well, it's a Filipino dish called dinaguan. It consists of pork cooked in pork's blood. You want to try some? That was the first time I'd ever seen a Filipino family on TV, and it was bold for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to introduce them and their food at such an American holiday. Rebecca even had the blood in a clear glass bowl. But it was also wrong to me that a white Jewish woman on TV was trying harder to connect to Filipino culture than I ever do, which is how I wound up at Rong Cheng. I wandered around for about 15 minutes until I finally asked for help. I paid $6 for a pound of blood, which came in an open produce bag that I tied off in my car. Thank you. Should I give it to you open? Yes! <laughs> Fellow Filipino ASR producer Angela Bautista let me use his kitchen. Um, I accepted it though, like it didn't seem weird. After I got the blood, I called my mom and she told me to freeze it and then leave it out to thaw the night before I used it. I didn't do that. I moved it from the freezer to the fridge, and when I got to Angela's apartment, it was still solid in the middle. So what am I doing with this? I am putting it in a bowl. Okay, uh, just to thaw? I don't know. Does it need to thaw more? It does. It feels, it's a block. I see. Oh. 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 It looks like frozen barbecue sauce. I got the recipe from a food blog called Kawaling Pinoy. The prep work outside the meat and blood was mincing onions, garlic, and ginger. It took us a while since neither of us really know what mincing is. And Angelo is doing more work than I thought he would and that he thought he would, but that's fine. I'm helping. He's helping. 
And we left all that simmering in oil and vinegar. Oh god, our onions are burning. The recipe said it would take an hour in total, 20 minutes prep and 40 minutes cooking time. I have, I have pork here. I, I've never handled red meat, actually. I've only handled chicken. And even then, it was a horrible experience. I, I read multiple recipes and they're like, cut a pork belly into strips or cut uh, pig intestines into strips. And I'm like, how? Or where do those come from? I'm sorry that my knives this are terrible. Is a, this is a pairing knife. I know. This will take a while. So bad. I think you have to like actually handle the meat. Like put your hand on it and cut it. Oh no, Angelo. <laughs> oh no, oh god. Why can't meat be like loaves of bread? Okay, I got it. I got it. I'm not thinking about that this was once a living creature. It's fine. Meanwhile, the blood thawed away in the sink. It was supposed to have been liquid the whole time, sitting there mixed with vinegar. I dumped it out into a bowl after we started cooking the pork. It doesn't look like blood, though. It looks... Because I remember the first time I saw my mother with blood, I was like, is that chocolate pudding? She said, no, it's blood. And I was like, looks like chocolate pudding. But this isn't chocolate pudding. No, it's not, but I was a child. I was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, because it's so chunky, it's very brown right now, but like when it was dripping out of the bag, it was, it was definitely red. Yeah, the more I play with it, I kind of forget that it's blood. Yeah. Once the pork was cooked, we added the blood. Then we left it to simmer until it looked like stew. So it took us about two hours, because I suck at planning. But now we have some dinner bon before us on this table in Angelo's home. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel, Angelo? I am very I'm I'm very hungry mm -hmm. and very tired. Yeah. And this looks very good. I don't really care that it's pig's blood. I just want to eat it. And um, my mother promised that if we mess it up somehow, we won't die. So that's good. Here's to not dying. Yeah. Okay, let's try it. We're eating with white rice, by the way. That's relevant, I think. I mean, it's required. That's vinegary. Oh my god. That's a ton of vinegar. It's good, though. Yeah. Holy wow. This is, this tastes Filipino, because the only, the most Filipino thing I eat regularly is adobo. Yeah, and almost all Filipino dishes just have vinegar in them. I swear that I've had this before. Like, my mom has served this to me. I just, I never knew what it was called. I don't know. Whenever, whenever we eat, have dinner at my house, um, I kind of just eat what's given to me. She doesn't tell me what it is or anything. Like, I know some dishes, I just don't know the names of them. For me, my mom like Americanized them for me. I don't know. I don't think she's made this before. Mm -hmm. If not, she just didn't tell me it was stewed pig's blood. This was a big commitment to be cooking Filipino food. Yeah, this is probably the most Filipino thing I've ever made. Mm. Music in this piece came from Pottington Bear. Thanks again to Angelo for letting me use your kitchen and for recording everything. Shout out to the CW, my mom, and Kabaling Pinoy. Oh my god, Angelo. Have you seen Master of None? I've seen, like, com like the first episode. <laughs> okay, so you didn't see the second episode, no. which is about immigrant child guilt. Um, anyway, my dad had a pet chicken. <laughs> Aww. And, uh, one day he got home from school, and it was, like, dinner time. We're eating chicken. <laughs> and it was his chicken. <laughs> oh. 
For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Catherine De La Rosa. You just heard our producers, both past and present, talk about everything from blood stew and car crashes to mindfulness and talking to the dead. What a strange ride these past few years have been. I'm kind of sad our birthday party's over. Well, our next episode is on the theme awkward, much like this ending. Bye. <laughs>